War and Peace, Book Eight, Chapter Eleven. Recording for LibriVox.org by Eva Harnick. Anatol Kuragin was staying in Moscow because his father had sent him away from Petersburg, where he had been spending twenty thousand rubles a year in cash, besides running up debts for as much more which his creditors demanded from his father. His father announced to him that he would now pay half his debts for the last time, but only on condition that he went to Moscow as adjutant to the commander-in-chief, a post his father had procured for him, and would at last try to make a good match there. He indicated to him Princess Mary and Julie Karagina. Anatol consented and went to Moscow, where he put up at Pierre's house. Pierre received him unwillingly at first, but got used to him after a while, sometimes even accompanied him on his carousals and gave him money under the guise of loans. As Shinshin had remarked, from the time of his arrival, Anatol had turned the heads of the Moscow ladies especially by the fact that he slighted them and plainly preferred the gypsy girls and French actresses with the chief of whom, Mademoiselle Georges, he was said to be on intimate relations. He had never missed a carousal at Danilov's or other Moscow revelers, drank whole nights through, outvying everyone else, and was at all the balls and parties of the best society. There was talk of his intrigues with some of the ladies, and he flirted with a few of them at the balls. But he did not run after the unmarried girls, especially the rich heiresses, who were most of them plain. There was a special reason for this, as he had got married two years before, a fact known only to his most intimate friends. At that time, while with his regiment in Poland, a Polish landowner of small means had forced him to marry his daughter. Anatol had very soon abandoned his wife, and for a payment which he agreed to send to his father-in-law, had arranged to be free to pass himself off as a bachelor. Anatole was always content with his position, with himself, and with others. He was instinctively and thoroughly convinced that it was impossible for him to live otherwise than as he did, and that he had never in his life done anything base. He was incapable of considering how his actions might affect others, or what the consequences of this or that action of his might be. He was convinced that as a duck is so made that it must live in water, so God had made him such that he must spend 30,000 rubles a year and always occupy a prominent position in society. He believed this so firmly that others looking at him were persuaded of it too and did not refuse him either a leading place in society or money, which he borrowed from anyone and everyone, and evidently would not repay. He was not a gambler, at any rate he did not care about winning. 
He was not vain. He did not mind what people thought of him. Still less could he be accused of ambition. More than once he had vexed his father by spoiling his own career, and he laughed at distinctions of all kinds. He was not mean and did not refuse anyone who asked of him. All he cared about was gaiety and women, and as according to his ideas there was nothing dishonorable in these tastes, and he was incapable of considering what the gratification of his tastes entailed for others, he honestly considered himself irreproachable, sincerely despised rogues and bad people, and with a tranquil conscience carried his head high. Rakes, those male Magdalens, have a secret feeling of innocence similar to that which female Magdalens have, based on the same hope of forgiveness. All will be forgiven her, for she loved much, and all will be forgiven him, for he enjoyed much. Dolokhov, who had reappeared that year in Moscow after his exile and his Persian adventures, and was leading a life of luxury, gambling and dissipation, associated with his old Petersburg comrade Kuragin, and made use of him for his own ends. Anatol was sincerely fond of Dolokhov for his cleverness and audacity. Dolokhov, who needed Anatol Kuragin's name, position and connections as a bait to draw rich young men into his gambling set, made use of him and amused himself at his expense without letting the other feel it. Apart from the advantage he derived from Anatole, the very process of dominating another's will was in itself a pleasure, a habit, and a necessity to Dolokhov. Natasha had made a strong impression on Kuragin. At supper, after the opera, he described to Dolokhov with the air of a connoisseur the attractions of her arms, shoulders, feet, and hair, and expressed his intention of making love to her. Anatole had no notion and was incapable of considering what might come of such love-making, as he never had any notion of the outcome of any of his actions. She is first-rate, my dear fellow, but not for us, replied Dolokhov. I will tell my sister to ask her to dinner, said Anatole. Eh? You should better wait till she is married. You know I adore little girls. They lose their heads at once, pursued Anatole. You have been caught once already by a little girl, said Dolokhov, who knew of Kuragin's marriage. Take care. Well, that can't happen twice, eh? said Anatole with a good-humoured laugh. End of chapter 11 Recording by Eva Harnick, Pontevedra, Florida